Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, great. Oh. 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 What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing! Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray day by day by day amen amen i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 Smorgasbord. I love that they snuck that in there. Um, how many of you guys get pray anxiety? Do you know what that is? Anxiety when you pray? Does anybody get that? Like, like publicly when someone says, hey, would you pray? Like Trish, would you mind praying real quick? No, I'm just teasing you. Um, I have a friend that was like, they're like, I wanted to grow my prayer life. I'm getting better. I was like, okay, cool. We got to have you, you know, like we'll, we'll work on that. And it was, uh, we were in a group and I was like, hey, would you, would you pray? And they just went like this. Like, like they were just caught and they turned beet red and they froze. And they're like, I, um, I, 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 um, pass, pass. <laughs> they just freaked out. So we're in this prayer ser- series. It's actually part of a larger series called Called to Compassion in a world that's filled with um, uh, contempt, uh, competition. We are people that are called to compassion. And the first chapter is 21 days of prayer where we can just learn the language of prayer. And it, it, the cool thing is no matter where you're at, whether you're a, a Christian or not even a Christian, you can begin practicing prayer together. And uh, we actually have this um, this uh, prayer devotional. It's 21 days and it's got a devotional for every day and it can take, you know, five minutes or even less if you want or more. But this is a great way to just kind of like track along and grow in your prayer life. And I would say grab one of the prayer. You can grab them for free if this is your 
first day here and, and uh, you didn't know about this or maybe you were gone last week, grab one of these. Uh, they're free. It's, it's a resource to equip you. And grab one and then go get some people. Get in a community group. You can find out about those online or uh, t- I just grab some of the information in the back. And, and get in a community group and start going through uh, prayer so you can grow together. Maybe you have friends. Maybe that's a better way. Just grab some friends and start doing it, family members. But that's such a great way is to learn to pray when you're doing that together. So I really want to encourage you with that. And um, with that said, I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Sound good? Heavenly Father, we just ask for transformation today, Lord. Would you just grab a hold of our hearts, our minds, our relationships, God, any of us who are coming in here um, with brokenness, we just ask that you would uh, come in and transform. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that we are having starting point at my house. I would love to meet you, uh, get to know you. It's a great opportunity to hear your story. Um, and we have lunch, childcare, all that stuff. But this week, it's always good. Starting point's always good, but this week, Pastor Mike's wife, Kenny, is making ribs. She was up at 5 a.m. in the morning, slaughtering the animal. No, (laughs) getting it ready. So if you're a vegan, it might not be a good day for you. But we will have vegan options for you. And we will have non-vegan options, ribs for you. So come on out. It's going to be awesome. We'd love to see you there. Last week, we, we were talking about confessional prayer. A lot of times when people think of confession, they think like kind of scary, like I have to confess to a priest or like police officers love confessions. And, uh, you know, what does this mean? But biblically, a confessional life of prayer really means a life lived honestly before God, others, and yourself. And many people walk with others in life and and some people walk with God uh, in life and everybody walks with themselves in life, but not everybody walks honestly. And that was what we really tackled, learning how to let go of the rocks we've been carrying. And this week, what I want to talk to you guys about is, is living a life where we learn to pray for transformation. Living a life where we're looking for transformation. I think, I, I, I believe that when people walk through the doors of a church, um, whether they know it consciously or not, they are coming looking to hear from God. We're coming for transformation in some area of our life. How many of you guys have an area of your life you'd love to see transformation in? Let me ask you today, what area in your life in particular would you love to see God change and transform? Whether it's relationships, whether it's health, whether it's um, maybe, maybe your heart, maybe your emotions. But what area of your life would you like to see God transform? There's this amazing prayer. I think we have it on the screen um, from um, a guy I really respect. Um, His name is Max Lucado, and this is a prayer for transformation. Just to get us started, let's read this, this prayer together. This, my God, is my prayer. Draw me from your fire. Form me on your anvil. Shape me with your hands and let me be your tool. This is a prayer of transformation. God, shape me, form me, transform me. And the thing I love about prayer is like, the thing about prayer is you don't have to be perfect at it. Like my son's learning the English language right now. I don't get mad at him. I don't chastise him when he doesn't get certain words right. He's like very remedial in his English right now. 
And I just love hearing his voice. I love hearing him talk. I love seeing him learn the language. And God loves to hear you learn the language of heaven, which is prayer. It's talking with them. It's even in the quiet of your mind. You don't even have to speak it. It's, we, we are beings that are of awareness and we're relational. God wants to hear from us. So what does it look like to begin asking and looking for transformation in our life? Um, Romans 12.2 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't just copy the way the, the, this world works, but let God transform you into a new person. I think this is so powerful. Don't just be a conformist to the world around you, but those who are, are people of Jesus, people of God and his spirit, are people who are transformed by him. And I, I just love how simple it says this. Let God transform you into a new person. Today is all about trusting God to transform you into a new person. And there, there's nothing more, there's no more powerful transformative force in this world than God's love. There's, there isn't. And today, there's three things I wanna cover. Three things. So if you have your notes, you wanna, you wanna get started with them. The three things we're gonna talk about the transformative power of God, the love of God, really boils down to these three things uh, in a big way for me. Um, and the first is, we are loved by the Father. The second is, we're led by the Spirit. And the third is, we're learning to be love like Jesus. We're loved by the Father, we're led by the Spirit. Learning to be love like Jesus. And that's what the sermon's about today. And we step into that kind of life, that kind of reality, transformation begins to occur. Jesus actually, uh, he taught on a life of transformation uh, in Matthew 28. He says this, go and make disciples. The word disciple means learner, means like an apprentice, like actually watching and then doing, like learning actual skills and putting them into practice. Go and make disciples of all nations, not just a certain ethnicity, not just the social elites, but all nations, anybody and everybody. Jesus came to create an all-inclusive community that is based and founded on the love of God and he wants disciples, learners of this way. So go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, immersing them into the na- in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here we see the Trinitarian reality. Does that phrase scare some of you, the Trinitarian reality? What Jesus is doing here is he's saying, if you wanna be a disciple, if you wanna make disciples, immerse them, baptize them into the reality of of the love of God. And he goes on to say, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, Son, and Spirit. And when we talk about the Trinity, like that's the theological Christian word for God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It is a, it is a amazing, wonderful mystery. And there have been theologians and pastors and people and Jesus followers all through the ages who have given snapshots and pictures and explanations, their best attempt at understanding this wondrous mystery, this like paradox that God is one but three. He's three in one, three persons, one God. Like, how do we wrap our minds around that? No, as humans, like, I don't think we fully can. And the beautiful thing to me is, like, if we're trying to fully understand God so that we can believe God, like, that makes God, um, that puts God in a box so that we actually become God. 
Because if we can understand and, and be able to grasp how great and wonderful God is, then we can contain him. But God can't be contained by our ways of thinking, our paradigms, our minds. It's like an ant trying to understand human community. Like, that's not going to happen. And, but there's a beautiful thing about God that we are relational creatures. And even though we can't fully understand everything about God, we can know him. So I don't, I'm not going to have time to explain or go into the best explanations of how the Trinity works and what the Trinity is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, but what I, what I want to focus on is the transformative nature and power of our relational God. Trinity means that God is togetherness, if I could use that word, is relationality. That there's something deep in the nature of God that is relational. And I think the biggest transformation happens when we are in loving transformational relationships. Would you agree? I, I think about family is a helpful way to think about this. Think about my family. We were driving, uh, I think it was probably a year or two ago, uh, with um, Sarah's family. And um, her brother said, I, I went on Ancestry.com and I, and I found out like, you know, my ancestry and, um, and he said, I'm like 50% Finnish. I was, he's something like 40% Norwegian, 10% Danish, like basically 100% Scandinavian Viking. And um, my, my wife was listening, the whole car was listening to him and he was talking about this. And, and my wife goes, man, I, I, I should take that test. I want to find out what my ancestry is. And me and her, you know, Sarah's mom, Chris, we looked at her like, you, you're his sister. Like, you will have the exact same. You have your Ancestry.com. Like, he did it for you. And then Stan, like, leaned up from the back. He's like, it better be the same. <laughs> um, family's so important. We, um, I'm going to use this illustration, and it, it might help us throughout the duration of this talk, but... But we went to the beach this summer, and, and we actually had my family, like, you know, my biological family there, and then uh, Sarah's came for a visit. And it's so cool to see the interaction and the growth. Um, so my son is two. You guys probably heard me talk about him. He has a will of his own now. He wants, he has a wanter in him. I want this. I don't want that. And when we went to the beach, we drove up, we parked. You can't see the beach yet. And there's just these, um, these beautiful uh, sand dunes that create bluffs that basically overlook the ocean. But when you drive up to them, you can't see anything except sand. We got there, and uh, I said, all right, Wes, we're going to go to the beach. And he goes, no, no, I stay. And I was like, no, you're going to come with us. And I'm pulling him out, and he's like, no, he's fighting me. No, no. If you've ever had a kid two years old and that toddler, they're fighting you. It's like they also become like an anaconda or something. It's just they're, they're hard to contain. I'm like trying to pull him out. Finally, I get him out. He's like, no, 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 no. He won't go out. And then he goes, he goes, mank, which some of you, if you were here last week, that's his blanket mank mank he's like you know like elliot reaching out for et if you know that 1982 reference and he's reaching out trying it and i'm like okay get your blanket we got his blanket and, and i put him in there and he's like no he doesn't want to go no and so we we strap him in there because we're going to bring him and then against his will we i start dragging the uh the, the the beautiful cart that he's in now um because we're on sand i have to flip it backwards and pull it rather than push uh, the, the stroller. So I'm pulling this thing. He can't see where we're going. We're getting deeper and deeper sand. I'm pulling this. We're walking this way. We're walking this way. We finally get up to the bluff. 
and we overlook the ocean. He can't see it yet. And he's, now, now, now. And then I flip and turn around, and he sees the vista of this beautiful ocean. Families playing, kids laughing, sandcastles. It's beautiful. And he's like, net. Out, Dada, out. I want out. (laughs) Okay, Wes. So all of a sudden, I take him out. He had no clue what he didn't want was what he actually wanted. And then I set him in the sand, and he went and started playing making sandcastles with his sister. It was this beautiful moment. I couldn't help but notice the other families that were there. And um, it was in this, it's in this family relational dynamic that my son is growing, like his world is growing from the small world to like, wow, this huge world of the ocean and other people. And, and he's just this little, little person in this big, wide world, but, but God created him with a soul. It's just, it, there's just something wonderful about being together, and I noticed the togetherness of other families. There was one guy there, it was uh, him, his wife, and they had a little girl, like, and she was way littler than, than Wes. She was you know, probably six months old or eight months, and um, this, this guy, he, he was in a tank top. He's, pre- he's pretty yoked, and he had these huge like, mitts, like these big big man paws, you know, I kind of got average, he's like, he just had this big man paws, and he took this little girl, and he just lifted her up like this, there's just like this slow motion, and there's like in the ocean, it's sunny, it's beautiful, and this, and he started going like this with this little girl in his big, you know, bear paw mitt, and he's just going like this, and she's just like looking down, smiling, has no clue of the peril she's in, her mom was like, hey, 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 and, but in that moment, she was in, there was no safer place for her to be. You could, I mean, this guy was yoked. He was really strong. And, uh, and she loved it. And it was just that, that image of being together and being in the Father's arms. It was so wonderful. And, and when we're immersed, when Jesus says, I want you to immerse people in the reality of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, there's, there, it, that is the foundation of love. The Father loves and serves the son and the father loves and serves the spirit the son loves and serves the father and the spirit the spirit loves and serves the son and the father and there's this self-giving generous love that is self-sacrificing self-giving that is at the center of reality and those of us who become aware of the goodness of God are entering into that love and that love transforms us with our family, coming back to that again, uh, you know, there's a moment where I, I wanted to introduce Wes to the water, and you know what he said? No, 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 no. And I was like, no, Wes, come to the water. And he all of a sudden became like an eel. You know, I couldn't grab him, couldn't get it. And you know, if you know two-year-olds that can do that, moms, dads who have them, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you can't get your hands on this thing. Finally, I get him out, and he's, no, no, no. And then I put his foot in the water, and ah. And his sister was already playing, and he was like, okay, and I set him down, and he was fine. Oh, okay, another new part of the world. He's transforming before my eyes. He's loving this. And then a big wave, wham, hit him upside the head, knocked him over, ah, and he didn't want to go back in the water. <laughs> but in our fa- as he's learning and growing and experiencing in our family a dynamic, you know, we are loved by the Father. We are led by the Spirit. We are learning to be love like Jesus. And in our family dynamic, we, like me and Sarah, we're like that unconditional parents. We, like, we, we love them. We want to protect our little ones. And then we have like my, my dad and Sarah's dad are like the grandpas. And they're kind of like, they like to lead the kids by challenging them. My dad, he likes to challenge the kids to learn new skills and activities and throws the ball with them. We'll take them um, to learn skills and activities. Stan has this really cool way of nurturing growth in our kids by challenging them with responsibilities. 
and, and assignments. Novella, if you do this assignment and this, take this responsibility, then we'll, we'll, give you this, we'll give you a little bit of money. So she's learning to like work and take on responsibility. He's challenging her. And then, and then the moms in our family, my mom and Sarah's mom, Chris and Elaine, they are so nurturing, but they also are these servants. They just serve people. Like uh, my mom's, she's like, what do you want to drink? I'm like, I'm fine right now. Do you want some coffee? Do you want some tea? No, I'm good. La Croix. And like, she will serve me. And then Chris, is, she's, she serves people, she helps people, she's helped stand through uh, seasons of stroke and as he's in his recovery, she just has a servant heart and she's still serving other people even when she's uh, giving to all these other things in her life. And, and there's something about that that changes us, doesn't, isn't it? Isn't it true that when we're in fam- with family who lead us and challenge us and give us unconditional love and, and ones who like give an example of what to look like, like my mom and Sarah's mom, it transforms us. So, let's get in to the meat of this. We're loved by the Father. Could um, you throw that line? We're loved by the Father. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. And when God looks at you and me, one of the first things we have to realize is that God sees us and He says, You are my beloved sons and daughters. And in you, I have great joy. We live in a world that likes to paint God as like this angry grandpa slash police officer who's after us. God says he's our father and he loves us. Uh, You are his dearly loved children. And just as God loves his son, God loves us. We live in a world, I'm going to give you guys the gospel according to lines and circles. The gospel according to God's love. My daughter helped me with this. Um, but we live in a world, you go ahead, and, this is us, you and me. Um, Novella, my six-year-old, helped me with this. And she was like, it's so simple. She was like, Dad, this is really simple. Um, so this is the gospel according to God's love, lines and circles. So we live in a world that draws lines down the middle of people. And in this world, we'll, we'll basically say, okay, I accept these aspects of who you are, and I love this aspect of how you talk and what you do and what you, what you stand for, but on this side, here's all the things I, I can't stand and I reject. So uh, I reject this about you, I reject this way you talk, this way you are, this is, and, and this is where contempt and shame can come in. We, we will have contempt and shame and reject this part of somebody but we'll accept this other side. And so we live in a world that draws lines, which is conditional love. We have conditions on our love. And I'll see young married couples or people headed toward marriage or families that are struggling, and they all are about drawing lines. And, and that's the language they know. And so it's very conditional. If you do this, then I don't love you. If you do this, then I will love you. And we live in a world that learns to be loved based on the lines that we have and the lines that are drawn for us. Would you agree that this could be a reality in our world. So God comes in, we are loved by the Father. What that means, he doesn't draw lines, he draws a circle around the whole person, the whole you. So when God says, you are my son and daughter, he's not saying, part of you is my son and daughter, and I love that aspect of you a lot, but I reject the other. God draws a circle and says, I accept all of you. That means that, that God doesn't just accept uh, some future better version of yourself someday that's really crushing it because today you're trying to crush it. 
It's, he doesn't love some future better version of yourself more than he loves you now. He doesn't love some past version of yourself that was healthier, wealthier, better, whatever. He loves you as much now as he ever will. Like, you are completely and utterly loved by God. Why does that matter? We live in a world yearning and trying to earn their love. They're yearning and earning their love. Because we believe, like, I am what I do. People believe I am what I do, or I am what people say I am or about me. I am what my accomplishments say about me. I am my history. And God says, no, you are who I say you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. Do you know how much my daughter and my son have had to do to earn their way to become a Bedlian? Nothing. Day they were born, they were Bedlian. And we don't have to get on that, that, that wheel, that like rat wheel where people are just running and running, trying to earn, earn, earn. We are loved as we are by God. Now, people also like to draw lines not only through people, but between people. Have you noticed this? Um, that there's, there's lines between people, like ethnic lines between people, like we're in, we're out because based on our ethnicity, there's lines that get drawn on the people's political persuasion. We're this, you're that, we're in, you're out, or we're in and you're out. And all of a sudden there's this line between people, and there's all these lines, uh, gender lines that get drawn between people. We live in a world that doesn't just draw lines between uh, uh, through people, but between people, and that is... The, the reality of this is it causes so many issues. I was even seeing this week, there was a, there was a talk show host that um, he was trying to be funny, but he was like, you know what we need to do to help people change uh, for the better is we need to bring fat shaming back into culture. And we need to shame people, and, be, and that's going to help them. And, and again, it, we, we love to draw lines between and through people and, and put these conditions, and that's how we change them. And that's how we get love or receive love. But God draws a circle around all of us. In fact, it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his son. God loves us. Um, in 1 John 4.16 it says, We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. One of the hardest things for people to do is to trust that you are just loved as you are. You don't have to do anything. You are loved as you are. But here's the beauty. At the same time, we are led by God's spirit. We are led by God's spirit. That means that God accepts us as we are, but he doesn't just leave us there. He leads us to become who we were born to be. We don't have to work on becoming who we were born to be, to be loved, to have the circle drawn. That circle's drawn around us. Once you realize it's been drawn, because it's there, like God loves you now. Like, I hope that's evident. God loves you now, today, as you're sitting, listening to this guy teach. God loves you, that's the message. And then the spirit leads us to become who we're born to be slowly um, through bursts of flashes of light in your life where there's like insight and change and slow grinding moments where it feels like nothing's happening God is transforming you he's leading us Uh, it said about about Jesus in um, and I should I should back up and read this Matthew 3 16 through 17 at his baptism Jesus 
um, came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son, in whom gives me great joy. Well, the Spirit landed on Jesus. The Spirit led Jesus. We see Father, Son, Spirit in that image. God the Father saying, you're my loved Son. The Spirit landing on Jesus. Jesus coming out of the water and living in a a God-immersed life. That the Spirit is so important, it leads us to become who we never could be otherwise. John 14, 16 through 17 says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, which is a helper. And this helper will never lead you. He is the Holy Spirit. God is sending us his Spirit. His Spirit never leaves us, never abandons us, because God has drawn a circle around us. And when we become aware of it, when we receive God's love, he doesn't force his love on us, but when we receive it, we have the gift of God's Spirit to lead us. Verse 17 says, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The Spirit doesn't lead us into lies. It's not based on deception. God's Spirit is a Spirit of truth and it leads us into all truth. My daughter uh, was laying on me. She's like, she's getting heavy, man. She's getting big. And when she was little, she'd rub my beard before she'd go to sleep. She'd like suck her thumb or she'd just kind of be laying there and go to sleep and she'd kind of rub my beard. Sometimes she'll still lay on me and she'll like kind of, you know, her hand will go up and rub my beard. And I'm like reading and she's kind of laying on me. She's getting heavy. And I'm like, Novella, you're getting heavy. I can't breathe. And she's rubbing the beard. And then she kind of reaches up and grabs my ear And she's like, Dad, with the most loving voice, Dad, you have a beard on your ear. (laughs) I was like, what? She's like, yeah, the beard hair is the same as your ear hair. She was the voice of truth, so sweet and so kind. And uh, we need those voices of truth, don't we, in our life? I immediately went and shaved my ear, of course. Um, But God, he loves to speak the truth to us. The world cannot receive the spirit, it goes on to say, because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. You don't, look, you don't see what you don't look for. But you, you who know God's love and have received God's love, you know the spirit because he lives with you and later will be in you. Anybody who has received Christ now has the spirit of God with them and in them and he changes us. And the spirit of God is more like, it's more like sailing then like learning to be led by the spirit, I should say, is more like sailing than it is by like, like following an Ikea instruction manual. Have you guys ever got one of those? Some of you guys are like, I don't need manuals. Like my wife was like, um, hey, let's get the, I need you to build this Ikea thing. I'm like, oh, great. Thank you for buying this. So I, I got this thing out, pull it out. I'm following the instructions and I'm like mediocre at best when it comes to this stuff. So I'm like trying to follow. And they, they make it, those Swedish, they're Swedish, right? The Ikea. They make it so like foolproof and idiot proof. And they go one to step two to step three. And they have all these little pieces and contraptions. I'm putting it together and I'm thinking, I'm doing one, then I'm doing two. And I get to the the very end, I'm, I'm like so still. I'm so proud of myself. I'm like that was record time. I did a great job. I'm going to slide this last um, like board into place and then lock it. And I just go, it doesn't go in. And I look at this and I'm like, no, 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 no. And what happened was I had I had flipped something and it wasn't fitting. And I was like, oh no. So I went back to the instructions and I went from like you know step 100 and then to 99. And I was going and I was going back to this thing. No, no, no. I got to step two, and I had flipped something. Everything was correct except this one thing. And I was like, ah! And I threw this thing. 
my wife walked up to the last one. She's like, oh, did you finish it? I'm like, yeah, it's done. I was so mad at this thing. I had to undo the whole thing to get it back. We want our life to be kind of like the Ikea step one and have the whole panorama. Like we see the whole thing. This is what it's going to look like. God doesn't work that way. It's a lot more like sailing where you have to pay attention to the wind. You have to put the sails up. You have to like, you have to, man, you have to feel as the wind getting ready. What's the current doing? Sometimes there's nothing and you just sit there waiting for the wind. Sometimes you got to row. Sometimes that wind comes in and all of a sudden it starts blowing. You better have those sails up. Amen. God wants to lead us to become who we'd never be separate from him. John 3, 8 says, the wind blows where it pleases and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone born of the spirit, everyone led of the spirit. God's spirit is whispering to our hearts and to our lives. There's a writer I really like when he, and he talks about being led by the spirit like this. This is F.B. Meyer. He writes, God's impressions within and his word without are always corroborated by his providence around. And we should quietly wait until these three focus into one point. I, I just love that. He, he, he's saying, look at, the, there's three things. There's impressions within our hearts. Like that's your conscience. Like God speaking to your heart. There's God's word without. That's God's scripture. This Bible that teaches us about the character of God. And we learn about God's character by reading the Bible and through experience. And then finally, the providence around us are our circumstances. Those three things, conscience, character of God, and circumstances. Those, when those things start to align, you can, be, you can also feel more, more sure that, okay, God's moving here. God's moving in my life. Um, being led by God's spirit is really important. It's not a science. It's more of an art. Um, and I've noticed that, uh, like I had a friend who said recently, uh, for him finding God and coming to God, like he started seeing things differently. Like all of a sudden he was at a store and a book fell out on the ground. He's like, ah, he went to pick it up and it was a book about faith, which he's despised his whole life. And he's like, ah, oh, this is dumb. But then something told him, he's like, something was just like, you need to read this. So I started reading it. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is talking about everything I'm struggling with right now. And, and, then, and then, he, then his eyes are starting to be opened. And all of a sudden, he had someone move into his neighborhood who knew God and actually was a pastor. And then he's like, what do I, it feels like God is like setting things up. So he starts talking with them. And then there's another, you know, another point that God is leading. All these circumstances, all the things inwardly and in his conscience are leading him. And I'm pretty sure in the Bible, the scripture teaches us that God wants people to know him. So it was lining up with the scripture and, and all of a sudden he started taking steps where God transforms his heart because he's seeing different. He's led by the spirit, amen? I've had that in my life where like, I'm like, man, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna go, I don't wanna go to a, talk with this person. I'm busy, I'm, I'm so like overwhelmed with life and I remember a particular situation where God was like, no, you need to talk with this person. So I did. In the middle of talking, I thought it was just chit chat and all of a sudden, they drop something that they were, they were dealing with and I end up praying with them. And it was because the spirit was like, you need to get yourself over there right now. We need to follow his leadings. We need to trust him. One, one last thing I'll say about being led by the spirit and then we'll, we'll close on this last portion is don't, don't use the spirit as an excuse for your feelings. 
when we're talking about the Spirit leading us, we want to we think and we want to meditate, we want to reflect. But I've seen at times we, we Christian, Christians can be fickle people and our, our feelings are leading us somewhere and we're saying, oh, it's the Spirit or whatever it might be, uh, a hope, a desire, a dream, and, and we, haven't really, we haven't really processed it. And so I'm committing to this because the Spirit's leading here and then, you know, a few minutes into that or a few days into that, a few months, and it's like, actually, the Spirit's t- telling me to commit over here. It's like, well, I don't think the Spirit's confused, but somebody is. And so we want to be careful with that. I saw that with a, a guy in Bible school. He was like, went up to a girl, and he's like, I just, the Spirit is telling me that we're going to get married. Unfortunately for him, the, well, maybe fortunately, the Spirit hadn't been telling her that. She's like, no, she was German. He was uh, American. It was not destined to be, but he thought it was. And he's like, no, the Spirit's telling me no. And, and he really tried to um, romance her in the best of ways. Like, you could, if guys, you should take some tips. He, he waited in the back to bother her and follow her around. Wrote her lots of notes about what she was doing was wrong. And even at one point, he goes, look, at, it was in Bible school, right? So we're learning about God. And he's like, I feel like it's like today's lesson. Like, you're like Israel turning your back on God. You're like turning your back on me. Went over so well. <laughs> and she's like, it will not work out, Steve, you know, in her thick German accent. She's got friends trying to protect her. And, and, and we're... We'll think that we'll try to use our feelings, our emotions, our desires at times. So we really need to check that. But when those three things align, our hearts and God's character and our circumstances, we can start moving forward with confidence. Last thing, we're learning to be love like Jesus. Learning to be love like Jesus. Um, this is so crucial. Transformation is a process. How many of you guys know that like, for most people, like, life change doesn't happen in a blink of an eye? Sometimes, I've, I've known people that like they're freed from an addiction in a moment. They never have to go to rehab. They never have to get in a group. It's just like, boom, the desire leaves them. It's like miraculous moment transformation. Or someone with their health, like moment of transformation and they're healed. But more often than not, and I would say as a general rule for many of us, transformation is a slow process, right? Can I get an amen for any slow processors in here? All right? And some of us start, uh, start here, in a certain area, emotionally, relationally, we start here where other people, because of their circumstances, their life, their genetics, their family, they start back here. And I've known people that like are way up here, they're given every advantage and they're on the road of transformation, learning to be like Jesus and be loved like him. And they take like this step and they think about taking a step, but then they kind of go here and they look good to everybody else because they started in a good place. And then I know people that are like way back here and they just, they're working with God and God's leading them and they're on this journey step by step and they're like doing the best they can and they're here in their life and they've come a lot, much longer way than this person but many, most people think this person's more mature and they're farther along. And see, that's why everybody's story, everybody's journey is different and man, I get, I get more excited about people who are, who've gone a farther distance in their life than whether they're ahead of somebody or not. Does that make sense? And see, God knows our hearts. He's not fooled by our outward actions. And it's really, really important that we know that when we're learning to be loved like Jesus, that means Jesus is the center. He becomes the target. We're learning to be like him. If you want to know what love looks like, it looks like Jesus. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, follow God's example. 
therefore, as dearly loved children, because you and I are the loved children of God, right? It says, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, that we are to learn to live a life of love. And what that means is that the trajectory, the direction of our lives when we are loved by the Father and led by the Spirit looks like becoming like Jesus. If we wanna know what love looks like in our life, we look to Jesus. That's why it's really important to read through um, the scriptures about Jesus, the, the gospels. What was Jesus like? Who was he? What was he all about? And uh, it's, it's crucial that we learn the life of Christ and who, we, who he was, what he stands for. When I, I have a lot of friends that um, grew up atheist or became you know, atheists at some point, and I'm good friends with them, but they would just, just really hammer the church and hammer Christianity. Most of the people I talk to that are upset at the church or religious forms of, of faith. Um, are, some of those critiques are very fair, but the reality is that the whole world struggles with religious, the whole world draws lines through people. It's not a Christian problem, it's a people problem. One of the things I've noticed is um, many, if not most, of the atheists I talk to have never read the gospels of Jesus. They've never read the teaching and the way of Jesus. So they're criticizing certain forms and things that they see, but they've never studied them. And like one of my things, I try to study what atheistic writings, other religions, I try to study that stuff so I can respectfully know what they think. And I would encourage you to study the way of Jesus if you never have. Because here's what I've found. I've found that every major philosophical leader or religious leader, founder of religion, all of them, when you put it next to the teachings of Jesus, you see two categories emerge. You see leaders and teachers who are teaching people how to earn and be better and get better so that they can earn God's love versus Jesus who says, you are loved, now go live. Amen. Here's the other difference. Most Christians, and rightfully so, will rest the argument of the power of God on the resurrection of Jesus. So here's what it is. If Jesus really died and then was raised back to life, checkmate, checkmate, right? That's a, that's a, that's a pretty good argument. I was dead and then I came back to life. Like, that's, if that's true, like uh, uh, an English professor who was riding in a taxi with a guy, uh, he asked him, what are you gonna be teaching on? He says, the resurrection. And the taxi driver said, he, he says this, he said, uh, well, if the resurrection's true, all the rest is rock and roll. All the rest of life is rock and roll. But if the resurrection happened, then that's like the most powerful argument for God. And I think that's true. But underneath that, I think even more foundationally powerful for me is that Jesus was willing to live and die and come back because he loved us. No other faith from Confucius to Buddha to Muhammad to Richard Dawkins, for the new atheists, no, no, none of those religious philosophical leaders were willing to die for their disciples. There is no other philosophy or religion known to man where the founder willingly taught and lived and died on behalf of his people, and he demonstrated what he was asking them to do for others. 
There is no other faith. Jesus, Jesus said, this is my way. That I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's many ways, many bridges to Jesus, but he's the one who shows us the way to God. He is the only leader who is willing to die for his disciples. And that, to me, is one of the most compelling things. And so if we're learning to be loved like Jesus, love looks like Jesus. Jesus had disciples who said, well, what does is, what is God the Father look like? If you, his, his disciple Philip said, just show us the Father. And Jesus looked at him and said, haven't you been with me long enough? Don't you know that if, when you see me, you see the Father? And in the book of John, it says that Jesus came in, gra- in grace and truth, or faithful love and truth. If we want to be like Jesus and learn from Jesus, we're learning to be love and truth. Amen? I want to end with this. What does love look like? Here's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that paints us a picture of what we become, how we become love like Jesus in the world. This is what Jesus was. This is what he looked like. This is a snapshot. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. And by the way, God doesn't just do love. God is love. He defines love. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not selfish. It's not irritable. It does not keep record of wrongs and draw lines through people and accept this part and not that part. Love does not uh, take joy in unrighteousness and wickedness, but it rejoices in the truth. Now listen up. It says, love which is embodied in Jesus Christ. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, love endures all things. That's love. And friends, if you want to have a transformed life, we need to put ourselves in the Father's hand so he can hold us up. We are loved by the Father. We're led by the Spirit like my family members helping lead my son to become a man, to become more than he could ever be on his own. And then we're learning to be loved like Jesus. We're disciples. We're learning. We're growing. We're taking each step of the way. And we're not becoming like the world. We're not becoming like whatever is popular, whatever leader is popular. We are becoming like Jesus Christ. That's the target. That's where we're headed. That's what we want to give our lives to. And when you do that, you're immersed in the reality of God. And his love will transform you. There might be someone here today that's like, man, I'm tired of all the lines that are in my life. I want... I want God to draw that circle in a way I can know it, feel it, and step into it. I want God's love today. Unconditional love. If that's you, and you're feeling the Spirit lead you toward Jesus in that way, would you bow your head and pray with me? Let's just take a moment receiving that love today. Would you just pray this prayer in the quiet of your heart? Say this, Heavenly Father, Would you draw your circle of unconditional love around me today? Help me to know it with all my heart. Spirit, lead me. Jesus, 
Teach me how to become love like you. Heavenly Father, thank you for accepting me with unconditional love. I give my life to you the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. That would, would, would you just keep your head down for a moment? And if you made a decision to receive that love, step into that, and to tear down some of the lines in your life, would you just look at me for a moment? I just want to affirm God's work of love in your life. I see you. That's awesome. That is so awesome. So grateful for you. God is doing a work of transformation. I see you. Let's raise our heads and clap for people who took steps of transformation. Loved by the Father, led by the Spirit, learning to be like Jesus. Let's stand and sing.